You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. So I think the only way humanly possible to have a conversation where you can approach those questions, surface those questions, clarify those questions, is to not make the conversation about Donald Trump. This is Sarah. This is Beth. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics, the home of grace-filled political conversations. Well, Thanksgiving is this week, and the question we are getting most often is, how do I talk to my relatives who are fully on the Trump train, or any relatives? And so today on on our episode, we're going to catch up on the news, and then we're going to share our thoughts on how to tackle those Thanksgiving conversations. The first thing that we want to tackle as we get into the news is this whole kerfuffle I don't know if kerfuffle is the right word. No, that's but not strong enough. Yeah, a little stronger than that, I think. Crisis. Is that, I don't know, crisis is too strong. We're like Goldilocks over here. We need something between kerfuffle and crisis. Uh, it's the Trump administration. That's the word we're looking for. There's a situation involving a Navy SEAL, 
and I'm certain that you've heard about it at this point. What I think the situation really illustrates is that there is no branch of the administration where process really flows in a regular way so that people can just make decisions. Well, for those of you who haven't heard, this Navy SEAL was acquitted of murder but convicted of posing with the corpse of an ISIS fighter. And here's what I think gets left out of that part of the story. This ISIS fighter was a child, the estimated age between 15 and 17 years old. So that's an important tidbit, I think. And it's really interesting to read about his trial and how some Navy SEALs testified and some refused to because it's in general, the Navy SEALs and these elite forces are pretty secretive. Um, so that that aspect of his trial and the reporting, I think, is interesting. But he was acquitted. He was going to go before the Navy SEALs Review Board to determine whether or not he could keep his trident pin and remain a Navy SEAL. Donald Trump tweeted that, of course, he's going to keep it. The Secretary of Navy said, that's not an order. That's a tweet. It's not the same thing. And by some reports, tried to work out a compromise, sort of cutting out the Secretary of Defense. And so he was fired. And when I started reading about this, it's a couple things. One, I my first thought was, see, he's emboldened, just like last time. When nothing happened from the Mueller report, he was emboldened to pursue his interests. I don't know the word I want. In Ukraine. And now that no Republicans are holding to him account with the Ukrainian scandal and impeachment, he's just going to keep shredding these norms and these processes. And then sort of related to that as well, I guess, I, I also read that Edward Gallagher is represented by two of the attorneys in Rudy Giuliani's law firm. Did you read that? I did read that. I mean, and he's been on Fox and Friends. So it's like there's this even worse than the fact that he is emboldened. He's emboldened to continue to basically shred our rule of law, even if it's military justice, and allow certain people to pursue their access to power through unordinary means because, you know, they're attorneys or because you can get on Fox and Friends and talk to him directly. Like, it's just so messed up. This story has created a lot of questions for me because I think that what this person has been convicted of doing is horrific. Mm -hmm. I also think a lot about what kind of culture creates this and not just culture, but what kind of life experience creates the desire to pose with a dead body. And so for me, I feel like we're all kind of working out including the president, and we're all, I think we're all kind of working out our feelings about some very big, troubling, hard questions on this one person. I sort of understand the president when he tweets something like, we train these people to be fighters. He said, we, we train our boys to be killing machines. Now, I'm not there. I don't oh, think these are boys. I think these are men. I think there's there are also women doing this work. There's nothing adorable about what we ask Navy SEALs to do. But I understand what he's saying when he says, look, we ask them to do unbelievably difficult things at tremendous personal and familial and community sacrifice. And then we question them when they make a mistake in the doing of it. And I don't think that's right. And I and I get that. 
I also think the Navy is much better positioned than I am Mm -hmm. or than this president is to decide where someone crosses into something that is unacceptable and that has to be named so, so that future people doing these jobs that take that kind of incredible, difficult, ethically dicey work know where the lines are. And that's why interfering at this individual level from that office, I think, is such a terrible idea. If the president has questions about the standards that are being applied to this conduct, ask them in a big systemic way. Talk about the overall policies. But getting to these individual cases, I think, is so problematic, even if there were no connection to Rudy Giuliani, which just takes it to problematic Mm -hmm. on steroids. The only thing I found the slightest bit hopeful from reading about Gallagher's trial, about the way certain members of the SEALs were really ready to go above and beyond to hold him to account for his behavior and actions, is that there were, in the beginning, there seemed to be so many concerns about his promotion, about um, him being allowed to lead other teams, teach younger SEALs. And now what we're really just talking about is his retirement. And I feel like at least these people who stuck their necks out and and saw something wrong inside this organization, which I'm sure it's very difficult to, you know, speak truth to power, even if it's a fellow member of your team, prevented his promotion and his, you know, elevation within the organization. That's what I'm trying to look to because I don't think there's a lot else positive, particularly once the president got involved. You know, the other thing that this has made me think about is how it is supposed to be hard to get things done in government. Mm -hmm. We intentionally make it difficult to pass laws in Congress, to take action through executive agencies, and to do anything in the military that deprives someone of something that criminalizes behavior. It is supposed to be hard. And likewise, it should be harder than the president sending a tweet saying this person is going to keep his pin. And I feel like that's just what he fundamentally lacks any respect for. And it's Mm -hmm. so troubling to me to watch people who I thought were also, you know, process defenders like I am saying, well, you know, he's the commander in chief. He can do what he wants. That's that is not what that's not how it's supposed to work. That's not what it means. It's not what it means, everybody. Okay, we have some very hopeful, promising, encouraging news out of Hong Kong. The people of Hong Kong went to the polls this weekend. They had almost a 71% turnout rate. 71% turnout rate. That's a lot of people voting. Stood in line for hours for most reports to make their voices heard in an election that is not like legislatively impactful or has anything to do with their leadership. It's like local leaders who deal with trash and stuff, and they still were like, you know, this is our chance. The protests are violent. You've limited our chance to make our voices heard that way. So we're going to turn out in a big way because we can vote right now. I just think it's so encouraging. It is really encouraging, especially because you could easily see this going the other way. People Mm -hmm. saying, we've got these protests, it's violent, it's ugly, I'm staying out of it, this doesn't matter to the big cause anyway. And for people to show up and say, no, look, 
Democracy is the path forward. Let us show you how I think is fantastic. And I also thought it was interesting that Carrie Lam, the administrator of Hong Kong, who's very close to Beijing, said basically, we'll listen intensively to what we've heard from this result. I'm not going to hold my breath on you, Carrie Lam, but I am encouraged that, you know, it's like 90 percent of the seats went to pro-democracy candidates. And I just I think that's so encouraging. And I, I do hope Carrie Lam and Beijing listen and realize, like, even if it's not a huge proportion of the population willing to barricade themselves and make their own bows and arrows, they all want democracy. I think that's really encouraging. Also encouraging is that Hong Kong has brought some bipartisan unity to Capitol Hill. In the House of Representatives, we had a bill pass 417 to 1. Fun fact, the one is my representative, Thomas Massey. Bless bless him. But this bill expresses U.S. support for Hong Kong, instructs lots of different parts of the United States government to think about whether Hong Kong should be treated individually or as part of China. There's a lot of kind of in the weeds language about this. But I think the important thing is the symbolism of our Congress saying we want to see a free and democratic Hong Kong. So it passed almost unanimously in the House, but for my representative who believes we should not have anything to do with other countries, period, and (laughs) unanimously in the Senate, And the president has been out in the world talking about how he might veto this because of his relationship with Xi Jinping. And you had (gasps) Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz saying these are veto proof majorities. This will become law. Do the math. You should probably do the math. That's the first thing. You should probably spend substantially less time on Fox and Friends. I would like that to be true. I love that he's not working from the Oval Office, but has time for hours on Fox and Friends. It's fine. I'm not upset about that at all. We've talked about this before. The transactional nature of like, well, I like, I like him. I like President Xi. And we're going to ignore the Hong Kong protest. Um, We're going to ignore the treatment of the Uyghurs, including um, massive amounts of leaks coming from the Chinese government. They had a Chinese spy flip in Australia and ask for asylum. I mean, we're just going to Ignore all that as the guardian of democracy in the world and really just, I mean, I like him and I want to make this deal. So I heard something uncharacteristically eloquent, I thought, from Senator Rubio about this, where he was saying, we have to understand that there isn't going to be one deal with China. We're going to be working for 15 years Mm -hmm. on the relationship with China. And there are component parts of that. And. I don't know that that would lead me to all of the same conclusions that it will lead Senator Rubio, but I think that's a good way to think about it for this president, that doing a comprehensive big deal with China is just not the way this relationship can really go. And Mm -hmm. so I don't think that we should abandon our values around wanting to see democracy spread throughout the world um, organically, as it seems to be happening in Hong Kong in the hope that we will do some kind of all-encompassing package with the Chinese government on trade. You know what he would be well advised to do? Pay very close attention to the um, current crisis facing his very good buddy, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel. Might just take a gander, that's all I'm saying. Netanyahu is facing new challenges after being indicted on corruption charges as Israel, God bless you, Israel moves Mm. to the third Mm. election of the year 
I can't imagine what this must feel like just as a regular human being in Israel trying to live my life. Well, I'm really hoping that the members of his party, I think one was the leader for a while and he's come back and said, y'all, like we cannot do this. We have got to get rid of him as the leader of our party and get new membership that can form a coalition. We all know that whatever the results of the third election are, he won't be able to form a coalition. And they've put it to parliament right now because Bernie Getz couldn't do it either. And parliament's not going to be able to do it. I think I think that his, Benjamin Netanyahu's party, come on, get rid of him, y'all. Get rid of him and form a government and do not put the people of Israel through a third election. Beth, who are you complimenting this week? I don't know that this is a compliment for any specific person, but it's a thing that I think about a lot. And I just want to maybe send out some positive vibes into the world for the 18 states who this year increased the minimum wage. You and I have talked about the minimum wage a bunch of times, Sarah, and I always fall down in the camp of I think this should be done locally. And other than that, I don't know. And I definitely am susceptible to the line of thinking that we've got to be careful with increasing the minimum wage, that we don't have the opposite effects that we want to have. And there is a study that Axios is reporting on showing so far we have not had those negative consequences of heightened minimum wages, that they're not slowing industry overall, that jobs have not been eliminated. Now, the study says we are looking at this being done regionally and carefully. We don't want to go out and say, well, this proves we could raise the minimum wage to $50 an hour and everybody be just fine. But it does show that just the very thought of increasing the minimum wage is not going to send our economy crumbling. And I'm glad to see this data. I appreciate the people who are studying this. And I always love to see where I have been proven wrong. So there you go. So this is not really a compliment either. It's just a sharing of good news. And it's complimenting the world. That's what it's complimenting. So I got this from an email newsletter I've really been enjoying that I recommend. And we'll put a link in the show note called Beautiful News. And they put together these charts about positive trends in the world. And they shared this week that more than half of the world now lives in a democracy. I think it's easy to get caught up in some of the negative news around the globe and the protest and feel like, rightly so, that there are some troubling trends when it comes to authoritarianism. But for better or for worse, in 1985, only 37% of the world's population, about 1.8 billion people, lived in a democracy. And now it's 52%. Four billion people live in a democracy, and four out of the five that don't live in China. So... I think that that's positive. And I think, you know, it's it's really important as we're watching these protests around the world and we're thinking through what's going on to also keep our eye on the bigger picture. And I love beautiful news because it helps me do that. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is... Bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. 
And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. So every year I feel like Thanksgiving comes around and there are a plethora of articles and advice about how to talk to your family or avoid talking to your family (laughs) about politics during the holiday season. But I have to say, this year in particular, there seems to be so much angst and anxiety and lots and lots and lots of stuff being written about this issue. We're engaged in a historic process as a country, and it doesn't feel that way day to day. And I think that's causing a lot of anxiety for everyone Mm -hmm. because it hasn't turned out to be the Watergate hearings where you can sort of sense that we're all learning together and developing similar opinions. Now, I don't know that it felt that way in the 70s, but this is my sense of it, having talked to people and read about it and listened to things like Slow Burn, that over time, you just felt it capturing the nation's attention. And this time, I don't know that it's capturing the nation's attention as much as it's like this ambient noise that we're all kind of struggling through every day. And I and I can understand wondering 
how are we going to avoid this? And if we can't avoid it, what are we going to do here? Because it doesn't feel like we're approaching this process from a place where anybody is trying to learn something or trying to figure out what's right. Well, I think it's captured everybody's attention. It's just everyone's drawing different conclusions. I feel like if you are an opponent of the president's, um, if you disagree with him, if you're a critic, if you didn't vote for him, if you protest him on a regular occasion, then the impeachment is just further confirmation of the fact that he can get away with everything, that nobody cares about his bad behavior, that everybody that supports him is a massive hypocrite. And so it just feeds every narrative you've ever had. And on the flip side, if you are a, if you are a proponent of the president, if you are a supporter, if you voted for him, if you think that everything he does is awesome, then the impeachment is further proof that there, the media is out to get him, that he can't do anything to please Democrats, that he's out there doing the good work of the country and they just can't let him do it. They can't help but tear them down. All they want to do is destroy him and destroy the country. It's like an accelerant on both sides. And so if that's where we're at and you have people from both sides of the spectrum coming together in a Thanksgiving situation What our inbox tells us is that (laughs) um, many of you are really concerned, particularly about going up against relatives who you feel like are operating from a different set of facts. And I, I understand. I understand that anxiety and that trepidation. Especially because the way you just laid it out, Sarah, demonstrates the problem. None of this is contained. We aren't really talking about impeachment. We aren't really talking about any one particular issue because we've stacked ourselves so much where if you're a person who thinks everyone's out to get the president, you're probably also likely to be a person who thinks that climate change is overstated, if not outright fraudulent, and that our country is being overrun with immigrants. And there's just this long list. And if you're a person who thinks the president can get away with anything, then you're likely to be on the absolute opposite end of all of those questions. And even though I still am not sure that that's really where most people are, that is certainly how we know how to express ourselves around these questions. And what I've been trying to think about in my own life is how to resurface questions. Because I just feel like more and more, and we talk about this in our book, And I feel like it's accelerated since we wrote it, that everyone is just in search of answers, but no one is stepping back to say, let's frame up some better questions to ask ourselves about what's going on right now. So I think the only way humanly possible to have a conversation where you can approach those questions, surface those questions, clarify those questions is to not make the conversation about Donald Trump. It's like starting with abortion. It just shuts everything down. No one can zoom out. Everybody is so defensive. He sucks up all the oxygen in the room. And so I feel like saying, hey, is there anything here we can agree on that we both love this country, that we both want it to be better for the kids in this at this table than it was for us. Can we talk about what we'd like to see improve in America? Can we talk about 
what America stands for. What's the most important thing, important American value to you? Here's the one that's most important to me, because I just feel like if the conversation goes straight to impeachment, it is just going to combust. I agree with that. We got a really interesting email from a listener about her level of pride in our country. And I read that email on the heels of meeting a friend for coffee who was also sharing with me that there are lots of conversations in her house right now about, are you proud to be an American? If you are, what does that mean? What are you proud of? What are you not proud of? How do you think your kids will answer that question? Hmm. When Jane is 17, is Jane going to be proud to be an American? And if she is to be proud to be an American, what's behind that? I think those are really good family conversations. Yeah. If you are dealing with someone who is using the president, who refuses to step away from a conversation about Donald Trump, who refuses to acknowledge that that is probably not the best entry point to a conversation where everybody feels heard, but who rather knows that it's a way to taunt somebody, right, that it's a way to evoke an emotional response. Because for better or for worse, and I'm not a psychologist and I don't know why this is, in my experience with my own family and other people's family, there seems to be a lot of a large amount of teasing and picking on people. It's like they don't it's like we think it's a short circuit to intimacy. I don't know what's going on. Again, not a psychologist, but it seems like a person who definitely thinks the oversight is reacting likes to use Donald Trump to sort of like as a bludgeon, right? And I think in that scenario, when you have somebody just continuing to bring him up when you're trying to steer the conversation with um, good intentions in another direction, then that's just an exercise in, in, you know, boundaries and saying, I'm sorry, I, I really don't want to do this with you. You seem intent on making me angry. And I don't want to be angry at Thanksgiving. I don't want to be angry with you. And so I've said that that conversation isn't going to be productive. So maybe we could have another one or maybe we can just walk away for now. We've said for a long time on the show that Donald Trump makes you more of who you are. If you find yourself in that conversation that really becomes a discussion about boundaries, I wonder if that might not be an interesting question for discussion at your table. I listen to this podcast. They often say that Donald Trump makes you more of who you are. There's nothing incendiary about that comment, right? It could mm-hmm. it could be who who you are in a bunch of different directions. What do you think about that? Mm. In what ways do you feel like Donald Trump as the president has made you more of who you are? And how is that showing up in this conversation? Yeah. Because the truth is, if somebody's picking on you about this, that speaks to deeper issues than American politics and your personal relationships, right? It just does. Now, if politics becomes the vehicle for that stuff, I can understand why it's easy for politics to become the vehicle for that stuff. I think the work of really being in relationships with our fellow human beings to the point where we can positively influence each other about politics is to call that out when it surfaces. It's just really hard. You know, I really struggle with this. Glennon Doyle reposted a scary mommy meme that was basically like, how to survive Thanksgiving. Do not invite your racist relatives to the table. (laughs) And there is a part of me that's like, yes, if you have either interpersonal relationship issues or 
fundamental disagreement about basic values. What are your no-goes? What are your this far and no further? And if there's nothing wrong with saying this is not a healthy space for me to be in and I don't want to do this. And, you know, even though we believe passionately in the value of conversation, then at the same time, we also acknowledge that there are places that no one needs to put themselves in. No one needs to feel unsafe. No one needs to feel bullied and harassed. No one needs to be re-traumatized by family members who have, you know, violated their boundaries repetitively in the past. But I think at the same time, what's always important to keep in mind is that for better or for worse, I think family gatherings are the only time some of us encounter human beings with very different political opinions than ours in a way that hopefully there's some love and trust already there. And if we can't convince the person, then we at least can understand them a little bit better. And I think that's really valuable. I think it's particularly valuable right now. And I would hate for us to miss that. And I wish there was an easy answer. I wish there was a a math problem I could give you that would say, here's when you step away. Here's when you don't invite that person to the family dinner table. And here's when you really need to dig in because there's something to be gained. But there, it's just not an easy answer. I mean, it's a situation by situation decision that you'll have to make. And it's really hard. And so I think, you know, one of the most important things we can all do is give ourselves and each other grace as we try to navigate that. I think all the time about Dr. David Camp, who came on our show, and how he was telling us about being white allies and that it is our job to stay in relationship with people who are racist so that we can help them come through that. And you don't do that in one Thanksgiving. You do it in that long term of building love and trust, of having things in the relationship other than politics. But he really instilled in me a sense of responsibility that I don't think I understood before we talked to him about what it really means to care about discrimination and how it doesn't mean that I appropriate the experiences of people who've been discriminated against such that I can't tolerate even being in the same family or room or gathering as someone who holds beliefs that I find intolerable. It means that I have the very responsibility of being in those families and those spaces, to use your word, Sarah, to disrupt the way they think about those things. That it is not for me to not invite someone to my table because of beliefs they hold. I am safe in that space to hear the horrible things and push back. And so that's my job to do. Now, that's a totally different equation if my partner in life is unsafe in that space, or if I am unsafe in that space, if the way that I have partnered myself is being threatened and bashed in this context. There are lots of reasons to set those boundaries up if you are personally having your dignity attacked because of who you are, who you love, how you live your life. But if that's not the case and you're like me and you are able to be in this room and push back, then I think that's what we're supposed to do. And not to the point of the whole gathering becoming like a bad SNL sketch, but where we say, I love you. I don't understand what you're saying right now. I don't understand how you came to these conclusions. I don't understand how we grew up in the same house or in the same family and reached 
such radically different viewpoints about what's really going on around us. Can we talk about that? Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. I also think it's important to have some exit strategies. You've done the work, you've sat down, you've tried, but you're exhausted. You probably don't want to spend the entirety of your Thanksgiving holiday engaging with your family members about these topics. So Beth is particularly good at this. 
What should they do, Beth, if they feel like I can't I can't go any further? Well, this is hard and it takes patience and humility. But I think the absolute best way to end these conversations is to say, thank you for talking to me about this. I have reached the point where I'm not up for any more today. I would love to do this again. And then I think, especially if you've got like, you know, a good hour and a half left with these people, uh, because my grandmother had some very strict rules on how long you spend in the company of relatives once you gather for these things. And I try to respect her rules. So if you know you've got some time left, (laughs) I think it's really important to find the thing you most have in common with the person and go there next. And if you don't know that, maybe you just put the question on the table. We've been talking about ways where we're really different. What's the thing that we have the most in common? And end that way, because the whole point here is to just work on these relationships. And if you don't think there's going to be anything, then maybe that's where you go to sort of the the whole point of the season, which is gratitude. You know what I'm really thankful for? I'm thankful that we can talk about hard things here and still love each other at the end of it. And if all else fails, you can just talk about Dolly Parton, which is the one thing that still unites most Americans. Sarah, what's on your mind outside of politics? I'm in a very reflective place. Now, I have been doing Catherine Anders of the Sunday Soothers Morning Pages Pledge. For those of you who don't know, the Morning Pages is part of The Artist's Way by Julie Cameron. You write three pages of just stream of consciousness reflection every morning. I've been doing it every day since November 11th. And between that and still doing the Tech Shabbat, it's just freed up a lot of space for me to look back at the dramatic changes in my life in the last five years, what I've liked about this year, what I've not liked about how this year has gone, what I want to see different in 2020. I feel like I'm a little early because it's not even December yet and I've got a whole month before the year is over, but I can't help it. Like I just, it's something I've been spending so much thinking about. Like I made a list this morning. And this might be because that dang 10-year pledge is going around Facebook again, where you post a picture of yourself 10 years ago and then today. Um, But I was just thinking about five years. I mean, in the last five years, I had a kid, launched this podcast with you. We wrote a book. I ran for office. I won. I lost. I was a city commissioner. That's a massive amount of things. And just looking back on that and how different my life has become in, in really not that many years, It's just leaving me very philosophical, I have to say. I feel the same way. Just our last 12 months together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. has been one of the most bizarre experiences of my entire life. So many states. We've been to so many states. We've been to so many states. We've been on television. We've met some really interesting, Uh Uh high-profile people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in public and in private. We have had unbelievable conversations. I've been listening to Esther Perel's How's Work. Oh, yeah. She does a new podcast on, is it work relationships? Is that what it is? Yes, it is on work relationships. And it is how, spoiler, sorry, everybody, we're not different humans at work than we are in the rest of (laughs) our lives. We bring all our same stuff to work. But I've been listening to it and thinking about how I feel like you and I are pretty uniquely good at articulating as things are happening, hey, this is changing me, or hey, Mm -hmm. here's the stuff I'm bringing to this right now. And even Mm -hmm. as good Mm -hmm. at it as I think that we are together, 
it's still making me realize this has been a very big year for us and there is a lot to take in. It's so big because I really wanted to think through like my processes because here's I mean, I'm early making this announcement, but I'm really it came to me in a in a bolt of lightning. And so I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I think my word for 2020 is going to be clarify. I like that. Tell me more. Because I feel like up until this point in my life, in our business, it, there's been a lot of reacting, a lot of. You know, I think 2015 Sarah would have said, yes, I'd like to have a third child. I would like to move into a bigger house. I would like to run for city commission. Um, the super successful podcast and writing a book were definitely bonus. But I think if you'd asked me if I'd want to do that, I would have said yes. And it was just like there was so much building and just saying yes to things and tackling, tackling, tackling. And I don't know if it's like just getting really close to 40 that I'm ready to be more deliberate and like really think through, okay, what of these things have served me? What do I want to keep doing? What do I want to do different? And really become clear on what do I like from the last decade of my life? What I want to see more of in the next decade of my life. And so I'm just, I think next year, especially with regards to our business, will be such a good time to get clear on all those things. I agree. I love that. I didn't plan to do this, but I'll just jump in and share my word. And I think it makes sense that we're on this schedule, Sarah, because our year really started in February with the launch of our book. It's true. And it really ended this month with the end of our travel. And they're putting out all the top 10 best of the year things anyway. So we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. So my word for next year is going to be wild, not in the sense of like... Let me go to college parties. Girls gone wild. <laughs> but I must get outside more. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. must connect with my body more. I must spend less time in front of a screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I must think more about the places we've been in. We've been in, we've been in so many states yeah, and we haven't states. seen much of them. Mm-hmm. And I really want in the future to build in time in our travel where we get to actually be in the state, yeah. not just running from one thing to another. I just have left the natural world behind pretty much my entire life in service of being productive and connecting with other people. And I love other people, but I must spend some time with the earth. And so that is my focus for 2020. I think we're going to pick, We, you know, we did a goal this year. We wanted to spend 30 days outside and I think six days spending a night outside because I read like an outdoor the editor-in-chief of Outdoor Magazine had like, this is how many days I, this is how many nights I spend outside every year. And it was like 30. But I was just impressed by the like numbered p- component of it. And so we did that this year. We did, I don't think we're going to make our goal. It's too cold now. And we're still pretty short. And I told my husband, I think what works better for me is when I work a day in every week that I know like this is the day I'm working on this thing that's a priority for me. So I think this year we're, or 2020, we're going to try like, Okay, this day of the week is a week we go, is the day we go outside, and I, I will report back. But I'm I'm hoping that will keep it top of mind in a way, and we can really prioritize it. Well, let me share one more thing before we go. One of the people that we met during our travels is Casey Clayton, who is a songwriter and singer from Oklahoma, and she has a new album coming out soon that she shared with us in advance. I learned where the CD player is in my car. Didn't know. <laughs> 
But I have been listening to her on repeat. I think her voice is beautiful. I think her lyrics are lovely. She has a song called You Couldn't Stay that breaks my heart into a million pieces every time she says the music. What is the line? The music's not the same now that you're gone. Oh, it just it gets me and it's wonderful. And so I'm going to put a link to Casey's Spotify in our show notes, and she's going to start releasing songs from that new album really soon. And I just think she's a voice that many of us need in our lives. And I'm thrilled that we got to spend time with her in person. And it's just in time because everybody's going to be driving this week and and traveling. We want all of you to be safe and have a great Thanksgiving week. We'll be sharing the highlights from our Nuance Nation tour on Friday. And we hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. We are so, so thankful for each and every one of you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for everything. Keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. Thanks for making us sound better, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our managing director, which means we could not make it without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help us make the show. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Our executive producers are Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, David McWilliams, Joshua Allen, Linda Rucker, Martha Bernatsky, Melanie Cravey, and Tiffany Hassler. Our theme music is composed and performed by Dante Lima. The music under our ads is composed and performed by Dylan Garvin. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.